0: Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu. And thank you so much for being here with us on the Thrive Bites podcast. This is season four, and we're so excited for you to be here. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Dr. Colin Zhu, double boarded in family and lifestyle medicine. And I interview the best and most passionate health and wellness experts of the industry on this platform. And we talk about plant-powered living, emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And this season, we're taking it live, we're taking it on multiple platforms, and we're taking it as a Q&A discussion as well as our interviewing of our guests. So we're super stoked about this. And please remember to like and subscribe down below and we will see you. Welcome to the next episode. Wow.
1: I can't believe we're finally here. This is the 100th episode of Thrive Bites Podcast, and I couldn't have imagined that more than pretty much two and a half years ago, since our first episode in May 2019, that we would get here. The Thrive Bites Podcast um, was just an idea. I wanted to narrate, at that time, my audiobook, Thrive Medicine, which was published in 2017. And i didn't have any podcasting experience never even listened to a podcast episode and i have no audio or sound engineering skills or experience i just downloaded an app and it was a diy do-it-yourself podcasting uh app and here we are 100 episodes later so i could not be more indebted to you the listeners that want to hear uh, what i have to say and you know we are reaching 30,000 total downloads from over 100 countries um and charting um, internationally in different countries on Apple Podcasts on health and education, on health and wellness, and overall categories. And um, I couldn't be happier um, because I really wanted to make an impact and reach others outside my four walls. And that's what drives me, that's what's driven me, and that's what continues to drive me. So I wanna give a special thank you to all my wonderful guests that have been with me over the four seasons. Um, now we are having it on you know, YouTube, Um, as well to bring you a more visual medium so um, I hope you have enjoyed the ride so far um, I am looking forward to the next 100 episodes. Um, and please tell me what you like, don't like, what you want to see improve, who do you want to see on. Um, and I really, really am very grateful to be able to continue to have conversations with wonderful guests that are passionate, engaging, making it fun, and that are thought leaders um, that are experts in the health and wellness uh, industry and are just super passionate. Um, we're here about creating um, a thriving mindset, and we want to be able to do that in various diverse and different ways. Thank you. And for celebrating with me on congratulating 100 episodes of the Thrive Bites podcast. And I couldn't be happier. So thank you to you, the listener. And here's to the next 100 episodes. Let's go. All
0: right. Here we go, 100 episodes. Thank you so much uh, for being here, everyone. Um, Wow, it is nuts. (laughs) I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and welcome to the ThriveBuds podcast. And this is number 100th uh, episode of uh, this uh, wonderful, wonderful vehicle. Um, And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Again, you could be anywhere in the world, and you decided to spend a few moments with us, so I really appreciate it. So this episode is all about breaking down barriers, and I could not be more privileged, honored, and uh, just really, really you know, grateful for our special guests um, today. Um, Her name, I'm going to introduce you to everyone, introduce her to to you guys. Her name is uh, Gina Su. She is a film actress and indie film producer. And her overall mission is to tell stories that move an audience and create a positive impact on the world. I love it. Her past credits include Camille on the Bold and Beautiful uh, series, uh, regular dubbing for The Stranded on Netflix, and various lead roles in short films like Transpo, and SantaCon, The War on Christmas. Gina also wrote, produced, and acted in Blue, uh, which won for Best Drama Short at Hollywood Just for Shorts. And previously, in her previous life, she was a life coach with her own private practice. And uh, she believes in the power of the mind and signs back positive thinking. And uh, in 2016, she was crowned Miss Asian Global at the International Pageant, held in historic Herbst, uh Theater in San Francisco. And she's a proud new vegan uh, and she currently is residing in L.A. with her vegan fiance, Jeff. And uh, I cannot uh, wait to say hello.
2: (laughs) Hi, Colin. Oh, my gosh. I just want to say congratulations. Your 100th episode, like that's so many interviews, so many good content that you've been sharing with people about a good healthy lifestyle. You are, you're just like bringing goodness to everyone. So thank you for everything that you're doing.
0: I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And uh, it's kind of mind boggling, you know, just kind of uh, for those that you've been, you know, following you know, me on this journey, like two and a half years, almost, um, you know, 100 countries reached and uh, just started on a whim. You know, I just wanted to narrate uh, an audio book and ended up finding a DIY podcast <laughs> app. And here we are, you know. Um, so, it can't be possible uh, without amazing guests like yourself. And I can't, you know, wait, you know, to dig in. Um, so let me yeah. start off with this first question. Um, you know, uh, you and I are, you know, really good friends, and uh, you know, I just, you know, ever since, you know, meeting you, uh, you and your uh, fiance Jeff, um, learned a lot. Um, but what I love about hearing your story is all the different hurdles and obstacles and you know just these you know challenges that you had to go through to get to your point so let's start off with this question you know uh you currently uh are in the film industry uh, film industry so
2: Mm
0: -hmm. what what kind of you know got you you know here you know what what has motivated and inspired you to you know get into the film industry was it an arduous process was it you know? Um, and we'll just go from there. So.
2: Sounds good. You know what, before I answer that, I realized that I did not tell everyone that Jeff and I are engaged. (laughs) And so I I wanted to tell people in person one at a time, but I wrote Mm. that in the bio and also, um, this is live. So whoever's watching (laughs) gets the inside scoop. Um, but okay. So getting into my career. I just love theater as a kid. It's just, it was just so much fun to hang out with all my best friends in middle school and high school, put together a play, um, you know, learn lines, help each other create the set. And then friends and family would come and watch. And it made me realize this is like teamwork art making. (laughs) And I really enjoyed the process. And as I got older, it was like never really a career option for me. You know, I really love dancing. I started out being a competitive dancer. um, And even that was like anything dance, art, theater related is just a fun side hobby and not a real job. So I went to college, got a normal desk job after that and just felt like I was I was missing something. And that's when I moved more into the health and wellness industry and did a um, fitness- based tech app in San Francisco. and I still felt like I was missing something. so I really found that a lot of my values were aligned when I started um, life coaching. Uh, and it was all about helping people have positive habits and um, you know going for the passions, going for the big dreams and never having any regrets. And I thought, wait. I think there's one person here that's not walking their own talk and that's me. (laughs) Um, And I just thought that, you know, if I'm not going to do it now, when am I going to do it? So as I started to get more acting auditions, especially in the commercial market in San Francisco, I started canceling some of my appointments with my coaching clients. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, this, I'm at a point where maybe this is viable and I took the big leap over but all is to say at the very beginning, the reason why I was so um, intrigued by TV and film was, I think, because it was my American mentor, meaning, you know, both my parents are immigrants. My dad's from Taiwan. My mom's from Hong Kong. I am and they call an ABC, an American born mm-hmm. Chinese. So mm-hmm. I would have Chinese food at home, you know, adhere to Chinese cultural values and only speak Chinese at home. And then when I go out into the real world and to school, I'm speaking English, eating American food, you know, trying to mingle with my friends and fit in. Mm -hmm. And the thing that really taught me, you know, how to be a kid in America was TV and film. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was like empathy on a silver platter that was like here, here's how you cry when, you know, people bullet you at school or when you have unrequited love, or you get to go along the journey with the main character and never feel alone. And I'm like, you know what, I, I would love to make someone else not feel alone through this teamwork art making industry that is TV and
0: film. Mm, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, um, I mean, a lot of ABCs, I'm, I'm a first generation ABC myself, my mom. Yeah. It's, my mom's from Hong Kong, my dad's from southern China, and, uh, you know, me and my sister, we were born and raised in New Jersey, and uh, it was always this feeling of just being on the fence, right? You're, you're on the side, you're, you know, you're in, when you're in America, you know, you're too, sometimes can be too Asian, right? And then when you go overseas, you know, you're too, you know, you're too white, you're too American, right?
2: Yeah. And so you really
0: never fit in, like you said, like you kind of just hang on the fence and you're just like peering over on either side. And it's this weird, you know, juxtaposition of, you know, where do I go? And over time, and I'm, you know, please, you know, share your experiences of, uh, you know, just taking from each side you know and realizing that I don't have to really necessarily fit in to either here or there I can just kind of you know just make my own path right so you know was that yeah. similar you know for you did you feel like you kind of have to hug you know the the fence a little bit or did you feel oh. like okay I'm just gonna go for it and yeah
2: no a hundred percent I'm with you you know when I'm here um it's like clearly people are like, where are you from? <laughs> but when I go to Taiwan or Hong Kong, people will tell my parents like, you raised your kid in America, didn't you? And it's like, well, <laughs> where where do I belong? You know, where's my club? Um, yeah. But still, in the film industry, I you know still have to do that. Like I'll get breakdowns that, I mean, it's great that they have that now, but it'll clearly say you know, Asian American uh, is the best friend character or you know uh, a different side character and the lead is either the white or caucasian character and it's still you know even in the industry i have to hug that fine line and figure out where i can carve out my own special space but the good thing about it all is it's we're playing make believe Mm -hmm. and so if we can make believe a marvel universe with with crazy gems that you know can destroy the world we can also have asian characters who um, are the lead, and it has nothing to do with their nationality, or it does, and that's their superpower. And um, so I'm glad to see more of that happen. So we don't have to code switch so much.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah, so let's get into that a little bit deeper. Um, You know, what was the beginning um, process for you? You know, what was the environment like at that time, um, Mm. in terms of, you know, auditioning? you know, for certain roles or commercials or shorts or, you know, long form, you know, um, you know, just pieces of, you know, what we, what we call art, right. But in, in terms of who, who sets that up, you know, they, they may like look at it differently. So obviously in terms of ethnicity, you know, we always have these stereotypes that commonly we just see on the screen. You said that, you know, when you got into it, when you were looking at, you know, in terms of language, how do you express yourself? How do you emote? It was everything on the screen. Growing up, I I didn't see that many um, actors or actresses that looked like me, right? So what is it like now? Or take us a little bit in the beginning of what was that like, you know, in the beginning process? And how has that evolved over time?
2: Yeah. You know, when I started, everyone was like, you look like Lucy Liu. And it's like, that's that's awesome. But she's literally the only Asian actress that's a little bit younger that people could reference to. <laughs> um, yeah. So now we have Gemma Tang and Constance Wu and Arden Cho and a lot of other people, which which is great. So it really, the landscape is truly changing, which is awesome. I think what we're lacking now is, we talk about this in our kind of Asian American film industry circles is that we have a lot of talent which is awesome but we don't have a lot of people behind the scenes and if you think about the way a story is crafted from beginning to end you need someone who has the story and then you need the writer to write the story and you need an executive producer or someone an executive at a network to green light it um, and then you need people in casting who understand how to cast it and so on and so forth. so What we need more of is, you know, Asian creatives in those field is more Asian writers, Asian casting directors, Asian creative executives, even Asian, you know, people behind the scenes who can kind of translate that, like, this story was written this way. And yes, we're filming it here in America, but there are certain cultural differences that we want to fold into it to make it more authentic. Um, as far as like my personal experience in the casting process and, and, uh, the sides I get, it used to be a lot more of that, like either best friend or the sexy girlfriend or the waitress, some kind of side, smaller role. Honestly, in the past couple months, literally after, um, the whole stop Asian hate movement, I've read for some awesome, like big movie lead roles that, um, I have to be careful because I sign NDAs (laughs) about what I say. (laughs) But um, like that travel to 8 they're like American characters that travel to Asia and they're kind of code switching and figuring out how to live on those lines or um, famous books that are being adapted to uh, screenplays right now that are written by Chinese authors and being picked up by American production companies. So we just, you know, we're lacking that of having origin stories from Asian creatives, but it's starting to grow. And I'm like super optimistic and excited about where it's going.
0: Yeah, because, you know, as much as we love watching movies and television, there is a whole process, you know, that comes along, you know, from, you know, from the the script and, you know, all these networks. And like you said, people that need a green light to make it happen, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's very important to talk about, Front of the camera and behind the camera, uh, which is interesting because, like in the culinary world and the healthcare world, you know, we have the front office, the back office. In the culinary world, we have the front right. of the restaurant, the back of the restaurant, right? So, there is, it, it, like, in, as an analogy, there's a lot of moving parts to be able to get a certain product or a certain iteration of something. For you, it's in a, yeah. you know, it could be a film adaptation of a book, you know, or a play right? Um, you know, and uh, there's just a lot of moving parts. And it's important to have all those different pieces. Um, and if we're talking about Asian uh, representation, it's important because it's um, it's important to have, in my opinion, and you can speak to this, is having those lived, right. you know, experiences, um, yeah. you know, to be able to relate, you know what I'm saying? So was there... And I feel you, like... Go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to piggyback on that. I feel like there's two camps in terms of types of films that we wanna see more of, the ones that are very much like rooted in Asian storytelling, like um, Minari or um, half of it, or uh, what was that? The film that Aquafina was in recently, or even Shang-Chi and Crazy Rich Asians, like this is the Asian experience and this is what it feels and looks like. But then the other camp I think we also need more of is The character just happens to be Asian. She could be um, super strong or down on her luck or a rebel, but it has nothing to do with her race. She's just another human being. And so, like, raising up both of those stories at the same time, I think, is, like, an integral part of raising awareness for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that we could go beyond these, you know, stereotypes. And uh, character limitation or boundaries, and it kind of expand upon it. You know, what I'm saying uh, the most recent oh, no. example I can think of is, you know, w- you know, obviously the biggest thing was, you know, Shang Chi, you know, um, just recently, and the male lead, uh, Simu um, uh, Liu. Um, you know, I started watching him um, on Kim's Convenience, and uh, cool. and I was just <laughs> like, wow, this is yeah. an amazing show. It's a Canadian show. And it's just like a normal, I don't know what a normal Canadian family is, but, you yeah. know, it, <laughs> they, it, it was, it was very, um, it was very, you know, uh, it was just a family, you know, just yeah. you know, going about their daily lives. And they just happened to be Asian and almost half of the cast was just happened to be Asian, but they were playing, you know, characters and roles that, you know, are very reflective of how we go about, you know, our lives. So it was really nice to see, whereas like, for example, like Fresh Off the Boat. I've only seen like a few episodes of it, but they definitely Mm. utilize a lot of stereotypes and kind of, you know, poke fun at it and, you know um, you know, it's very uh, satirical in some aspects. And um, so it's, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. We need uh, you know, all kinds of roles, all kinds of roles. So yeah,
2: just the whole spectrum, the whole variety.
0: (laughs) Do you feel like, um, you know, like the stop Asian hate, um, and everything that has transpired, you know, during the pandemic, it's kind of like an unfortunate, I guess, opera blessing, you know, in a way, because right. it's definitely brought, you know, the, the awareness up. do you feel like things like this, if it weren't for that, you know, would it have gone the same pace in terms of, you know, not having that increase on visibility, you think?
2: You know, I I totally think that without it, this whole process would have been a little bit slower. Mm. I think having, it was kind of like a, a cultural <laughs> revolution of what it was like to be Asian American, what our experience is like. It even made me reflect on the type of roles I want to go for or the type of roles I want to create in my um, indie film production world. And yeah, it, it raises awareness. And also I think, with the fact that crazy rich Asians came out and it made so much money and there was such a big audience for it people realized oh this is a good you know business strategy but after stop Asian hate happened it's also like this is also a social justice issue that we need Mm -hmm. to portray Asians correctly and authentically in media because all of that seeps into people's minds and and the stereotypes that most people have you just get from your community and what you watch and mm-hmm. so um because that happened it's clear that there's more that needs to be done and more representation needs to happen on screen
0: mhm mhm definitely what are um i guess if you if you can if you have any examples of um experiences that you faced you know in terms of like you know different forms of like racism or stereotypes or misconceptions you know what were some things that you had to kind of go through um to kind of hurdle over you know when you were going traversing you know um your your film career
2: thus far yeah there's um there's a handful <laughs> actually there was one even i think about 3 weeks ago it was for a commercial audition and it said we get these breakdowns when we receive aud- auditions and it just describes the character. Sometimes it'll be like women, twenties, playful, um, upper class, whatever has some spunk. The one I got said Asian American, um, you know, twenties to thirties, beautiful, exotic. And that in, in our day and age is like not a word you use anymore because one, it's kind of, um, it's almost incorrect. There's more Asian people than Caucasian people and white people in the world. So technically um, they're more exotic than we are. (laughs) So the way you word things really makes a big difference, but that just like adds to the whole, unfortunately for Asian women, there's a whole sexual connotation to how we're perceived on screen. And I got this three weeks ago. So it's just, it's kind of frustrating and it's saddening that, you know, they're going to cast someone else. I turned it down, but Someone else might do it because we have so little opportunities. Um, I've also had um, a parent of a young actress come up to me, and she's like, "Wow, you have such a great look. You have such a great look. You're—I feel like you're gonna—you're gonna make it. You're like in a good position." And I was like, "Well, I'll take that as a compliment. Like, I—you know—like to work out, I stay healthy. I'm vegan." Um, uh, working on, you know, clearing my skin and doing the best I can in acting. And then she came back again. And she's like, you know, I'm worried about my daughter, because she's white. And you have the look that's in right now. And I'm afraid she's not going to have enough opportunity. And I see where she's coming from. But it's really from a place of miseducation. Because if I could trade roles with If With any other white actor, I would because their opportunities are so many times, you know, more abundant than ours. Um, So it's, it's great to be in quote unquote, as she said, but that's, that's not what it looks like in reality, the type of roles that we actually get.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, going back first to, um, the, the word that you're using exotic, it, it makes me think of mm. how we used to word the uh, used, used to use the word, um, Oriental. Right. Right. And, right. um, <laughs> I was like, I was like, um there was a back in a day in college, you know, we had, you know, did you eat ramen noodles? You know, like the couple oh, noodles hell like, back yeah. in a day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you
0: ever remember do you remember the flavor? I don't know if you ever came across this, but there was one time it I said I, flavor,
2: Oriental flavor, right?
0: Yeah, it said Oriental. I was like, yeah. Did you throw a brother in there? Like or yeah. did you throw did you yeah. throw a did you throw a rug in there? Like, what the yeah. hell is this? <laughs>
2: What what
0: what does this signify? And so like, yes, it's, it's, um, we're using words like that. You know, we're just, um, yeah, we're, we're just people, you know what I'm saying? We're just people from a different background, you know, and, you know, we're just here. We want to be able to, you know, create our craft share with the world, you know, and just do good at the end of the day, you know, or just have some sort of impact and contribution, you know, for you, it's that artistic creative expression, right? It's to be able to play all these beautiful roles, no matter what shade or color they are, and to be able to elevate that character and to, um, you know, show to people like, hey, you know, um, I enjoy this because I like to, uh, creatively express myself in this manner. Right. And that can happen in all forms. Right. So, um, but yeah, in terms of that, um, that Caucasian woman, in terms of, uh, what was it, her daughter, yeah. she said,
2: yeah, yeah. She's advocating for a daughter.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, Switching gears a little bit, what, what was it like for your family and friends in terms of, uh, you know, did they have any like reservations or hesitations in terms of like, when you switch from, you know, life coaching to, uh, you know, because I both roles. Is not really in the lexicon of <laughs> nope. <laughs> Asians like career, like an I went off the path. rails. <laughs> yeah, the Asian's career path is either like an Asian, a lawyer or a doctor, right, or an engineer. Yeah, right, an engineer, right. So it's neither of those. So like, what was that? What was that like? You know.
2: You know, I'm lucky that two of my high school best friends are in this industry you know, one does voiceover, the other got acting jobs on TV long before I did. And so they all understand the struggle. And my friends now are from my acting class, um, who we've worked together on projects before. So we all know, like, oh, you know, you spent all this time on this audition, like we all know how it goes and what the struggle is like, and all the rejection is like. Uh, So I'm grateful for that. Um, My fiance, Jeff is like, the world's best human, in my opinion. He will literally drop his work and read with me for hours to memorize my script or make good um, actor choices in a scene. So he's great. On the family front, it's like hit or miss. I have to say that they've always supported the arts for me when I was younger. I, you know, dance and going to art class um, and even fashion school was supported, but as hobbies not as a career. And now that I've finally decided to do it as a career, I think they understand like, wow, Gina's not giving up this art thing. So I guess it's just gonna happen for a while. Um, (laughs) But there are difficult moments when, you know, I'll I'll come home and be like, I got a callback. And in our industry, that's like equivalent to say, like getting a promotion or a raise at your normal job, but maybe even a little bit more rare than that. So I'll come home and be Mm. like, I got a callback. And it'll be like open eyes, blinky blink. Uh, I don't know what that is. How was your dentist appointment? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so it's like they have financially and emotionally supported me, but there's so much about the industry that they don't understand. Yeah. Um, and they very much think it's very risky. But statistically speaking, you can win the lottery. Um, your chances of winning the lottery are higher than becoming like an A-list actor.
1: Mm. Uh, so
2: There is also that, but also there's a world of tons of actors who you might not know their name, but like you've seen them on multiple TV shows or you don't recognize their face, but they're working full time and making a great living um, playing different guest star characters on multiple TV shows and movies. So there's a whole other world out there that's probably it'd be too long to explain. And so I just stick to my path and hope that they'll root for me till the end. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah or there's you know uh trailblazers um i am blank you can help me with this but i am blank on his You're... name um he's uh he has probably one of the most uh one of the most uh uh credits like film credits to his name and he's asian i forget his name oh, oh. um uh i must he, know he about ju- this person yeah he, must, <laughs> he was just he was just he was just featured uh not too long ago but he has One of the longest, you know, longest uh, film credits, Um, but mostly behind the scenes, supporting roles, you know, uh, just short roles. And uh, he's definitely a trailblazer. I will definitely, you know, put that in the show notes uh, later on. (laughs) (laughs) I do would love to show the audience, um, you know, you gave me a a demo reel uh, showing a little bit of your work. So I definitely want to show that for the audience, uh, if that's okay with you.
2: Yeah, sure.
0: All right. So let's set this up.
2: And then after that, after being red, it like totally turned white and then turned orange and... (sighs) Mom, would you just say something, please? Dad? We sent you to college, which you quit. Leave of absence to figure shit out! Source Water didn't become the largest clean water charity in the world by me being shy about asking for what we need. Even though I know about your little... diplomatic indiscretion. You know, I make it my business to know everything about the people I invite into my home, Mr. Astor. The details would make even you blush. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm the sorry. fuck is wrong with you? Oh my god. I'm sorry, I oh. there is no time for Elvis cheer, okay? You are harnessed into the sleigh. To them you're merely obedient reindeer in a sea of red and white. I'm Stella. Vicky. Margo told me there'd be freshmen. <gasps> What are you doing?
0: Getting out of the car. No,
2: you stay here. Watch the car.
0: Where are you going?
2: I'm going after that prototype and don't touch anything.
0: All right. So let's, uh, let's transition a little bit uh, and switch gears. Um, let me put on a comment. Uh, <laughs> this is actually my sister.
2: Yeah. Dominica. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to is. her. <laughs> See that's supportive Asian family right there.
0: There you go. There you go. I love it. Um, so, uh, so let's talk about your transition to, uh, becoming a vegan. Um, mm. what is, what was the story behind that? Uh, I know, all right. It's like, what, uh, what is the story behind that? What inspired you? Like, was it the food? Was it animal welfare? Was it enviro- environmentalism, um, or a combination of all that? Like, what was it about? that, that drove you to adapt that into a lifestyle for yourself um, with your fiance?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, health and wellness was always a big part of my life. I think being a competitive dancer, it was like your body needs to be in shape. You need to be able to put it through hours of training and stretching and be able to bring it when you perform without injuring yourself. So that was always part of, you know, my lifestyle. And as I got into it, I think what started it off is I did no beef January. It's this thing I came up with myself. I was like, the environment needs our help, so I'm gonna do something. And because, you know, I realized that factory farming and most mostly beef makes a huge difference in our environmental impact of like, let me just try one month without, without it. And it was great, and it was super easy. And for anyone that's new or in transition or thinking you might not be able to do it, I will tell you my favorite dish was like a ribeye steak grilled on a cast iron skillet. Um, And still to this day, I'm like, oh, that might be tasty. But when you learn more about how it's affecting your body, how it's affecting the environment, and how disconnected we are with the animals that have to be killed to be turned into just a meal, it's just it just makes a big difference with how aligned I feel with myself and what my own values are. So after No Beef January, actually the pandemic hit, And Jeff, my fiance, and I were stuck in our place like everybody else was. So we watched Game Changers, which is an awesome documentary that talks a lot about how uh, gold medalist Olympic athletes have all gone vegan, not all, but a lot of the top ones have gone vegan to help with faster athletic recovery um, and to give them that extra percentage of edge that would help them win the gold medal. Jeff is a martial arts champion. He's all about fitness. He does a lot of CrossFit. And when he, you know, was exposed to the real statistics and science backed research about what veganism does to your body, he was like, let's try it. So through the whole pandemic, we're like, okay, let's try it. And we have not stopped since, because it just feels great. I feel good about the environment. You know, I, I have pets, and I used to call myself an animal lover. And now I'm like, this is a whole different ball game. If you want to feel so aligned with your values, it becoming vegan makes such a big difference.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we could just talk a whole episode um just yeah. on you know like what it can do. Uh I mean, you know, we have a lot of episodes that talk about the evidence, the science, um you know, I think environmentalism is a good, not, not just envir- uh, animal welfare, but just, you know, really speaking more about, because I really feel like as Western, um, you know, civilized society, uh, uh, societies, we, we're very, 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 very far away from things that are actually happening. And I think that right. what contributes to our growing climate change issue globally, right? Because we're just so far away from the actual source of problem. Right. And i share with you, you know, like I'm a scuba diver and uh, I've been certified since college. And um, honestly, it was really one of my first um, experiences. I was diving the Great Barrier Reef off of Queensland, um, you know, Australia. And one of my dreams to go there. And um, when I got there, I realized that pretty much I learned that, 30%. 30%. You know, you're talking about a reef, yeah. a coral reef that stretches literally almost the entire east coast of the United States. That's how large that reef is.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: to hear and learn about that, almost 30% of it has been destroyed or bleached, um, was really disheartening. But using, you know, my senses and um and being able to just basically, you know, dive and swim through like essentially a graveyard was It was heartbreaking. And it was my first experience of climate change, you know, Um, and that's where I got more into connecting the dots. And I feel like, um, you know, the documentaries that you've been watching, um, you know, just people need to kind of um, get into it a little bit more. You know, we talk a lot about nutrition, the quality of it, but environmentalism, you know, we uh, that needs to be sped up a lot, a lot sooner.
2: Totally. I had a very similar experience. My family took me to Antarctica and we went on like this scientific cruise expedition and they take you hiking, you know, literally into like the Antarctic mountains and they could, you know, point out, you know, a couple years ago when we did this, the mountain was here. And um, during the cruise, when you're traveling, they'll also show you all their um, the research that they've done and they'll take this pole and put it into the ice and like take a whole sample and it, yep. you you can like visibly see that it gets like dirtier, <laughs> um, um, and and the quality decreases over time as the new snow falls at the top, whereas the ones from like hundreds of years ago down at the bottom was clear and fresh and drinkable. And it's just when you see it with your own eyes, you're like, this is so obvious, and it's mm-hmm. it's like looming on our human society. <laughs> like we have to do something. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely, it's definitely increasing awareness wherever we go. Um, So let's get more into that. Um, You know, what was it like? um, You know, a question I have is, uh, you know, knowing what you know now, right? And if you, you know, what, what would you have, would like to know sooner in terms of, you know, your you know, vegan plant based, you know, transition, like, uh, you know, what, what are some like tips that you could offer to newcomers or people who are just kind of like, you know, thinking about curious, you know, on, you know, on the cusp, you know, what would you share with them?
2: Totally, I think it's kind of the mindset in which I looked at it before when veganism like was not on my radar at all the way I thought about it was like, why would you deprive yourself of like good food? Like it came from a place of scarcity. Like if I want to be vegan, I have to not eat this, not eat that, stay away from this. It like felt like it was coming from like a, a fear-based approach. But when I started becoming vegan, it's like if you learn about the impacts of the environment, your own body, animals, then you realize everything. I am doing this for the environment. I am doing this for my body. I am doing this for the people around me. Um, And it went the same for how I ate. So a good tip I like to tell people is just have more of the good and less of the bad. I think all of us know what good and bad food is, right? Like, you know, fast food, processed food, lots of sugar, all that is like bad for you. Fruits and veggies are good for you. So when you know that, just, have more of the good, and then you'll be just too full and full of vivacious, you know, medicinal foods to fit any bad foods in your life. But then when you go on this journey, and you start to do more research, you realize meat kind of goes into the bad category. And certain process, like even certain processed vegan foods, um, kind of fits in that bad category. And the more you get educated, you just fill yourself with more of the good that you know in that moment and then you'll have less of the bad and you'll like feel fantastic which is the best part
0: <laughs> do yeah. you and uh, do you and Jeff ever have like urges or cravings and how do you i guess circumvent that right like do you have any like you know do you stock up on your own pantry of this or you know you uh you know make sure you have that or you know, like how do you circumvent i guess you know, I mean, do you even have cravings or urges at this point?
2: Yeah, I think uh, one thing, because we're kind of more new in our transit, we're like a year and a half, almost two years in. So I'm trying to get to where you are, which is like whole food plant based, you know, like starting to think about cooking with less oils, like the next level for me. Um, but for people who are more at the beginning stages of it, I think for us, we just let ourselves have like. You know, vegan cheeses, and you go to a restaurant with uh, your friends and they don't have too many other options. Just if you got to eat the french fry and salad, like you just enjoy that without much guilt. You know, I think the more you beat yourself up over the process, the less fun it becomes. So we tried all, we had vegan dim sum, we had vegan burgers. (laughs) You know, like I still want to try this vegan sashimi thing (laughs) like you know I don't okay yeah they made vegan salmon sashimi honestly all that stuff is processed so that's that's a different journey that I'm going down now but when you're just starting it's just best to have fun with it and get creative and like vegan banana bread vegan pancakes whatever you want to make just to start it off and enjoy it and it'll last so much longer as a habit change um what you're asking about for cravings my mom asked me. She's like, "What's the one meat meal you would eat?" And I thought about it. I'm like, probably like a traditional celebratory Peking duck.
1: You oh know, with the, with the
2: crispy skin. Yeah. And I, I we went to a Chinese, you know, kind of banquety dinner, and they had Peking duck. And I literally stared at it and was like, "I like, it's gonna make I'm gonna feel sluggish later. It adds to you know horrible diseases." Like I can see the duck's head on the table and just the environment. And then everything flashes through your mind and you're like, this broccoli looks delicious. (laughs) (laughs) And it just becomes easy. Yeah. And fun.
0: Yeah. 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 Of course. Um, And the thing is, is that, you know, for me, like I promote Progress, you know. I promote one percent better than yesterday. You know, I'm, I'm, we. I don't, I don't, I don't point fingers to people. I don't, you know, strive for perfection. It's really about, and it's an individual journey, right? Like you're gonna feel different. It may be, you know, different than someone else is different, right? Someone might have bloating. Some people might have, you know, um, maybe they're just curled up, um, you know, on the bed, or you know, some people, you know, it's just it's different for different people. So. It definitely yeah. encourages you to kind of look at your own body awareness, look at yeah. ma- macroscopically, you know, what's going on, not just internally, but like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I know we had a very tumultuous, like, political, um, you know, past couple of years, but it's, um, you know, seen. But if you think about it, it's like what you put in your mouth, what you decide to purchase is essentially a vote.
2: In very terms much so. Of
0: very in terms of, you know, what you're saying to that company or restaurant uh, that you want more of or less yeah. of is really about whether you choose to get it or not get it. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's um, we have the power. You know, it's not uh, the food industry is very large, has deep pockets. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with us. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, hopefully a, a live buck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So so this has been great. Um, I definitely want to close out. Um, I have a, you know, couple of questions I want to ask. Is, you know, this episode is about breaking down barriers, right? Mm. So everything that you've gone on in your personal, professional life, what are those? What are those? What does that mean to you? What does breaking down barriers mean to you? Mm. And you know, what would you say um, would be like your top three um, in terms of how you would, you know, uh, give to someone else? Like, you know, this is what I've learned. Here are my top three. So you don't have to necessarily go through what I had to go through. And it doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, for film, but, you know, it could. Um,
2: yeah, sure. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about it now the breaking down barriers piece, it actually, is me breaking down my own barriers, I think, you know, doing an industry that's not really um, encouraged in probably an Asian American, American immigrant family was more about me sticking to my own guns for like what I want out of my own life. What kind of like artistic expression do I want to be able to foster and give to others? And I'm, I'm, I love rules. (laughs) I always did well in school because of rules, but a lot of the rules I created for myself was based off of society and what I thought was right. But if you think about it, you know, like when you ask people like, what's your version of success, everyone's is different. So I think if you follow your own, you'll always be breaking someone else's. So I think my breaking down barriers is literally sticking to my own, which could be breaking a hundred (laughs) ABC cultural rules. Um, uh, And it just feels more aligned with what I hope to do in life. And also, I think if you think about your own life in 10 years from now, and look back and wonder if you'll have any regrets, if you say I don't have any, I think that's the best barrier you can break for yourself is making sure you're pushing yourself to that limit every day. So you never look back and say, I wish I should have I could have. As far as things for people to do to thrive i think find your community find your family um your own created family if if you have good emotional support i think you can do anything uh and i'm sure people have also heard of like your circle of five like the top five people you spend the most time with um can impact your life come to think of it this sun this saturday all five of us are vegan and we're going to the Dale festival and i'm like i love these people like these, <laughs> if I surround myself with people like you who are like spreading health and wellness and my friend who's in the entertainment industry and Jeff who's like, you know, creating um diversity in his line of work, like we are like all superhumans, and the more that we can surround ourselves with those people, the better. So that would be one. Two, um, I picked this up from living in Hawaii for a year, mm. get out in nature. It is like scientifically proven that you will feel better. Like, sometimes I have this small patch of grass outside. If I just sit in it, I'm like, I feel instantly better. <laughs> take off your shoes and just, like, touch the ground. like.
0: Well, grounding know, reju- is a thing, so. <laughs> it is.
2: It totally is. Um, and, nature, you know, nature has better air, better water. It'll rejuvenate your soul. And it's best to take a break from everything you do so you don't burn out. And I think the last thing I'd say is being optimistic and living life with a lot of joy. Um, it is also scientifically proven that if you are more optimistic, you'll have a better financial future, you're less likely likely to have divorce, you'll be more satisfied with your career, and you're healthier um, and live longer. It, it's crazy that a piece of mindset can make such a difference on your life. And I think it also promotes more joy. Like every day if you're like hopeful that the next thing will work out for you, there's a small part of manifesting it, but also just believing in yourself and that like, hey, I get to live today and put my feet on the ground of this beautiful earth. How epic and fun, like what a, what a great place to live every day from.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was beautiful. Uh, that actually, uh, you know, definitely is a good you know wrap up to everything, and uh, you know, even just reflecting on this pandemic, you know, it's super, super, super easy to really get down and be negative about it. And I mean, I definitely yeah. admit, you know, I've definitely had my own roller coaster ride of emotions, and um, and uh, it, it definitely been you know tough. And I think you know, adding to what you're saying, um, without that support, whether it's family or friends, whether it's in person or remotely, I know. Not everyone can be with their family. I know not everyone can be with a significant other. Some of us are sequestered by ourselves, you know, things like right. that. Right. Um, it's important. It's important. And we talk a lot about, you know, part of this podcast is to talk about, you know, emotional resilience, right? So, but yeah. I love what you're saying about being optimistic and really just finding the silver lining, you know, it creates opportunities, uh, you know, like, you know, for you, we were just talking about how, in a way, it just kind of kickstarted, you know, really having, bringing, bringing, you know, Asians front of the camera and behind the camera, you know, more to the limelight, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of, lot of silver linings, if you are, I would say, if you are willing to look for it, I think it really takes the effort of looking for it. And, you know, when you don't have that energy to look for it, um, you could easily just fall into a trap of like, the victim mentality is like, why is this going on with me? Why is the world going on like this? And that's not what we want. You know, we want to be able to foster a thriving mindset. You know, that's what we're here and what we're all about. Because at the end of the day, it's uh, life is beautiful. You know, even though it may seem dark at times, but life is beautiful. So
2: yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's not to say hard times will happen. And, you know, we'll have all these moments where like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Um, emotionally, financially, whatever it is, but um, in those moments when you pick up little habitual changes, even even the habit of realizing I've been in a hole before and I got out of it, and I'm in a hole now, so it must mean I might be able to get out of it. And just like switching little things like that and finding more hope, I think um, just creates for a better life, and is not at all to say that we should never have challenges or dark times or, or difficulties because that's the thing we need to show us that we can have good times. So we definitely yeah. need both.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Or else, you know, how will we grow if we didn't have those lessons, you know, to, you know, have those lessons from those experiences that would be hard for us. So uh, Gina, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing for being who you are, for putting, you know, that goodness, you know, out into the world. Um, And, uh, you know, I really appreciate, you know, you taking some time to share with us, you know, you know, uh, your experiences and making, you know, this uh, an episode to uh, be memorable for. And, uh, um, you know, if people wanted to reach out to you um, or find you on social media, do you have anything uh, to share with us?
2: Yeah, sure. I am at Miss Gina Sue on all my social handles. So it would be at M-I-S-S-G-I-N-A-S-U. Um and otherwise they could just go to my website, which is ginasue.com and you'll see all the other links to everything else there. But I also want to say, Colin, thank you so much for having me for your hundredth episode. I feel <laughs> super honored and like excited for you. And we have so much <laughs> to catch up on your trip to Hawaii. Um, but I think it's it's so cool that you're doing this and spreading the love, spreading the health and wellness, like helping people feel less alone with all the research and interviews you do. So I'm just I'm grateful for you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you so so much. So, um guys, thank you so much for watching uh, this special episode. Um, please find us, and we'll be back next week um, around the five o'clock hour Pacific. Um but until then, Please say goodbye to Miss Gina, and uh, we will see you on the next one. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you liked that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.